are now listening to the iTunes Speaks podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things movies and TV shows, going into detail about some of the things that we enjoy most about our favourite shows and movies. Now, my name is Itunu. I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. At the start of the podcast, you would have heard a familiar tune. Yeah, that's you can probably hear it now. Uh, that's something that we're doing here on the podcast where we'll play um, some famous movie and TV show soundtracks to see if you can guess where they are from. So if you know or if you recognize that tune that you're listening to right now and you probably heard it at the start more clearly, then feel free to interact with us on our socials. So you can follow us on Twitter at iTunes Speaks Pod or on Instagram at iTunes Speaks. Now today we're going to be talking about a particular uh, topic that's quite close to my heart, dear to my heart. I love it when I see characters that fit this mould in my movies and in on TV and that is the anti-hero. Now what is an anti-hero? Um, I think in order for us to really go into detail about it, let's look at the name first of all. So anti-hero kind of implies that it, the person is the antithesis of a hero. So what is a hero? A hero is... We could look at certain traits of a hero, such as them being brave or being sympathetic, um, being selfless, being smart. Um, and above all, I think being strong, that's what we kind of envision our heroes at. So if we look at an anti-hero as being the antithesis of it and actually looking more at the definition of what an anti-hero on the big screen has been has been given as it is a protagonist so we know this person to be the main character of our show or our movie um, who has the opposite of most of the traditional attributes of a hero um, and this may be caused by them either being deluded or being ineffectual or just simply them having questionable morals <laughs> um, and being sort of a misfit you could say um, and for me, if you look at that as just the definition of what anti-hero is, that fits more into the mould of a villain for me. And what I would define an anti-hero as is probably someone who um, has certain traits of a hero, but maybe doesn't display all of those traits. Um, and this, you know, for me, kind of still quite a broad definition of what an anti-hero is. Um, and I thought about it and thought maybe there are three different things that for me... Um, I use to characterize whether I look at a character as a hero or a villain or in this case an anti-hero. Firstly is their motivations, so what do they want? Um, their behaviors, so what do they do or what are their actions and um, their dialogue in terms of what do they say. So if we look at the motivations of a character or an anti-hero in this sense, um, an anti-hero is not always um, selfless so they don't display the attributes that we mentioned for a hero of being selfless and being sympathetic and thinking of others but actually they can be quite selfish um, and thus have contrasting drives in their motivations than your traditional hero if you look at their behaviors you will get the anti-hero doing sometimes the right thing but not always for the right reasons so not because they believe that it's the right thing to do or not because they feel motivated or a sense of responsibility so you know with a typical um, hero that we know in mainstream media of spider-man for instance it was clear and his motivations are clear from his conversation with uncle ben where we know the famous quote with great power comes great responsibility 
uh, anti-hero on the other on the other you know kind of side doesn't look at their actions in terms of doing the right thing as always being driven by a sense of being responsible or a responsibility because of the fact that they're powerful or they have um this power that's been thrust upon them but rather it's more seen as maybe self-preservation that <laughs> they just do it in order to yeah self self-preservation or as an ends to a means so they might do this particular thing that you could see as a good act but actually it's just an ends to a means for them and lastly dialogue so what do they say and this is often where the anti-hero will express their lack of interest in doing the right thing so they'll be quite clear and let us know um as the audience that listen i'm, I'm not i'm not the hero of this of this story but actually i just need to get this done and it's often linked to their motivations um, and it's also where the audience are introduced to um, the anti-hero's motivations or core drive and can often be where the character becomes appealing to the audience um, so if an anti-hero is able to express where their their drive comes from we may as the audience be able to relate with this and not not necessarily always agree <laughs> with their actions but we know where their drive comes from now let's look at some anti-heroes in mainstream media today especially film and tv now if we're looking at the movie stand movie side it's become quite popular since the rise of the mcu and comic book movies and the dceu um has come into mainstream media especially with um obviously like i mentioned the mcu with the avengers films and with dceu with the batman with superman and all of this stuff so you know some of these characters you're looking at loki or you're looking at the punisher or even deadpool for instance i mean if we focus on deadpool who we know to be the merc with a mouth that's literally his tag um and we know he's this witty smart talking anti-hero who um who appeals to the audience simply because of one his use of humor we may we find him very funny so he becomes appealing to us um as well as his motivations especially in the movies um we see how Wade Wilson, who when he was actually when the character was created, was actually being created as a more edgy version of Spider-Man. Now we'll come back to that and why um, the need for having edgier characters has contributed uh, to this rise in anti-heroes on on a mainstream level. But with Deadpool, for instance, I mean in the first movie, we um, understand his motivations to put away the bad guy. In essence, we see his journey. Um, and we see how he becomes Deadpool from Wade Wilson. We see how he fell in love and got sick. Um, so we, we were able to relate with the character. And despite his actions, we understand that he's trying to do the right thing. And just maybe doesn't always go about it in the right way. Um, we also see, and, and this is where it, the, um, the, the anti-hero really balances from shades of black and shades of white and kind of dwells in that gray area because we see especially with Deadpool he's more cruel and sadistic and and, and often um very brutal side with the way that he he kills some of his villains um in in the movies and also in the comics as well we know that he's morally flexible um and we see actually some progression in terms of his development between the first movie and the second movie where by Deadpool 2 he's actually his actions and his core drive are actually to protect um, rather than with selfish um, ambitions 
However, ultimately, um, what keeps us as the audience interested in Deadpool is for one, like I mentioned, his humor, but also the joy and the glee that we see and the kind of the fun that he has, um, he has um, in the movies. His fourth wall breaks um, allow us as the audience to feel like we're part of the story. Um, we feel like we're not just observing um, without really um, not having any interest in what he's doing or feeling like we're part of it. Um, as I mentioned, dialogue is a key thing in terms of the anti-hero being able to express some of their motivations. So having a fourth wall breaks allows Deadpool to do that whilst also, also still retaining um, the humour and the edginess that makes him so appealing. Um, in terms of the style of the dialogue, the internal narrator um, that Deadpool is, so we are, it's almost like we're sitting in on his thoughts um, and he doesn't hold back his punches, which again is part of what makes him so appealing because he's such a raw character that we feel like, okay, at least we know him, we know he's good sides and we know his bad sides but at least we feel like we know him so it really allows the audience to feel like you know um we're able to relate and even though we may not <clears throat> necessarily do the things that he would do it makes some of his motivations and his actions comprehensible to us and that's just deadpool if you look at loki for instance he was introduced in the mcu as a villain in Avengers 1 and we see over the course of, of, of the MCU um, and over the next 10 years we see actually his progression and his development from being um, a flat-out villain or straight villain in the first Avengers film to actually us beginning to um, see shades of grey with him and him becoming more of an anti-hero by the time we get to Thor Ragnarok. We also know that um, the anti-hero trope is seen and is quite prevalent in the TV scene as well. Um, so you look at shows like The Sopranos, you look at shows like Dexter. I mean, Dexter's, he's literally a serial killer. <laughs> Yet for us, he is the anti-hero because of the fact that his antagonist, or whoever it is that he's going up against, um, is always someone that's worse than him. So it makes it justifiable some of the actions that Dexter decides um, to make because he's doing them for a reason that we can somewhat relate in. Not to say that we're all serial killers, but looking at Breaking Bad as an example, we're introduced to Walter White, you know, who is, again, when we're first introduced to him, he, he's not seen as a hero or a villain. He's just kind of this guy, um, you know, he's a nobody, he's a teacher, science teacher, he has a family, he has a disabled kid. And there's nothing really interesting about him, but as the story develops, um, and and we see the the um, the gradual shift for him from being Walter White to becoming um, Heisenberg, we begin to actually see um, some of his motivations come out. So obviously we find out that he has cancer and he's obviously he's terminally ill, so he's going to die, whereas his family are going to be left with nothing. So there already is a drive that most heroes in terms of wanting to be selfless and do things for other people were introduced to Heisenberg as, as a means to an end for him to be able to provide for his family. Now one of the fantastic things and what makes Breaking Bad such a, a great show is, is that as the seasons progress we actually see um, some motivations that we didn't see in the earlier seasons of Heisenberg actually showing some of his more narcissistic sides and his controlling sides and him actually taking on that Heisenberg name and wanting to become this uh, drug 
kingpin or drug drug mule or this drug genius and, and him actually enjoying the the praise and the adoration that he received from his you know his lackey <laughs> I, I don't want to call jesse pinkman a lackey because i feel like jesse's an integral part of breaking bad but for the most part jesse is the secondary character to heisenberg um and we even see how you know their relationship is not the best um they fight they make up they fight again they make up and how he treats jesse um isn't necessarily that that would fit into the trope of being a hero um but we know that ultimately his motivations are for his family and to provide for them so we relate to that now for us as as viewers this need or this desire for content with morally ambiguous characters um, that popularized the anti-hero over the last couple of years came from I believe a search for um, something other than a mundane good guy I mean who wants to just watch perfect people going against imperfect people um, that's not reality that's not you know life isn't so black and white there's often very there's often various shades of grey um, so we have moved past that perfect depiction of your everyday hero, at least to a certain extent. Um, I mean, even Superman in, in the DCEU, especially in, in Batman vs Superman, was actually given some not so um, cookie cutter good guy tropes. Um, and you, you know, you see them touch on the Injustice uh, version of Superman, who's actually a villain. In, in the Injustice games and you see them try to make Superman not look so um, mundane and, and, and boring as we know him to be. Not that Superman's boring but he, you know, he, he is who he is. He's, he's a good guy and he's, he's Superman but they try to add more layers of grey to him um, which was attempted to kind of give him an edgier um, look than the Superman that we've seen in previous in incarnations of the character. That doesn't by any means justify them for what they did to superman and, and batman in those movies i still hate the martha scene and i still don't forgive them for what they did but hashtag uh, release the schneider cut we're still waiting for that uh, that schneider cut because i want to see exactly what he envisioned for um justice league now this rapid rise um in interest for anti-heroes kind of comes from us especially the audience as i mentioned not wanting to just see what we've seen before and kind of being bored of this knight in shining armor um and often because you know the motivations of a good guy and just a straight out good guy has regurgitated it's been repeated it's been recycled over various movies and their behaviors are at this point quite predictable and it doesn't really pacify the audience um you know especially when you go into a movie you kind of want to feel surprised you want to feel at the edge of your seat and not know what's coming next and with a lot of them of the good guys um and also the bad guys it's kind of predictable and we know what their motivations are we know what they're going to do and it doesn't really leave anything to be desired for the most part anyways um and their behaviors like i mentioned um, of the anti-hero is quite real is quite realistic as i mean as i said before like it's it's it hovers around the gray area um and it allows the audience to feel like okay do you know what if i was in that position i'd probably feel the same way <laughs> 
with a hero they're kind of seen as gods as oh yeah people that we can look up to but anti-hero is is your everyday man and um i guess that's why it relates so much um to the audience they don't follow the predictable scripts and they often kind of allow the audience to um to vicariously enjoy their narrative arc so they they know that um, or as I'm saying the audience knows that oh well actually <laughs> I probably would never want to be in that position but if I was to be Deadpool what would I do if I was to be uh, water white and I've been diagnosed with having cancer and my family um, I have no idea how they're going to survive if I'm if I'm gone what would I do and we engage with that character's desires and that character's motivations and we feel invested in them so what do you think have you completely you know abandoned the hero trope and said you know what i'm tired of seeing um the same cookie cutter hero every time or would you like um directors and and script writers to be a little bit more imaginative with their hero um in the 21st century i mean if you look at the mcu again it's not only loki who's had that sh that shift from being a villain to being more of an anti-hero we've seen heroes actually step more into shades of grey I mean with um, Captain America for instance he, in the first Captain America film we know Captain America to be again the cookie cutter good guy superhero and with you know Civil War and some of the things that we've seen in the Avengers, Avengers movies um, taking um, inspiration from the comics we see how Captain America becomes Nomad although they don't actually mention or, or you know name him Nomad we see how he's transitioned from being the Captain America that we were first introduced to to this more battle-tested and and, um, and rugged version of, of, of himself as Nomad um, so it's not only um, villains that have had that shift but actually heroes as well do we want to see more of that in mainstream cinema and TV um, where the hero isn't necessarily always doing the right thing or doing the right thing but not always doing it for the right reasons uh, let us know what you think um, and again it's amazing that over the course of uh, the last 10 years we've seen the MCU take such a um, an important role in the cinema world it's not always recognized so you know we don't watch the MCU for um, Grammy Award acting um, performances but were invested in the characters and that's where the MCU really grips um, us as, as the viewer is because we're so invested that's why Infinity War and Endgame were so good because even looking at Thanos as a villain in his motivations over those two movies we actually see that he's not necessarily doing um, the things that he's doing for the reasons that we imagine uh, your everyday villain to be uh, to be doing it he's not he's not wiping out half the population just so that he can rule the universe but actually he's doing it from experiences that he's had where he's seen that his actions are actually the only way and that he has been called to be the only he's been called as in he's the only person who's bold and brave and powerful enough to be able to make that tough decision that he did now on the other side we can often look at his actions as being Un, <laughs> undefendable but what um, the MCU have done a great job of doing is actually um, providing that debate for the audience so some people can look at Thanos and say well he's not he's not the he's not the the um, flat-out villain of the move of the movie where he's actually the protagonist of Infinity War so um, I think a breakdown that I watched over on um, 
Nerd Soup, I believe it was, which is a great show that you should watch on YouTube. They also have a podcast as well. Um, and they break down Thanos as actually being the, uh, the, the protagonist of the movie. He has the most screen time in Infinity War. We see his motivations the most. We spend the most time with him. And we're able to understand um, his motivations. Now, that's something new that's coming into cinema where... The villain has always been seen as the antagonist and not been given as much time as the protagonist who we want to relate to but actually what movies are doing now is developing some of the villains um, and giving them motivations that aren't necessarily the ones that we associate with your everyday villain so let us know uh, what you think about the anti-hero trope um, whether you want to see more of it whether you're tired of it at this point or whether actually rather than having your your general anti-hero you can you want to see more of villains that are established already in whatever universe it is that you um, that you watch or that you're that's your some of your favorites and actually seeing some of those characters developing shades of gray as well now before we leave um, there's just one more thing that we needed to talk about which is um, our social media now it is um, been amazing the support that we've received so far and of course we'd love it if you could share this podcast on your socials so if you have a twitter please feel free to at us at itunes speaks pod um, and share the podcast with some of your friends and um, let's all talk about movies and if you want to come on the podcast please feel free to send us a dm on twitter and also on instagram at itunes speaks so that's all for this episode of the itunes speaks podcast um, i hope that you can tune in again um, and until the next time take care